Hello, this is Dr. Ted Cole, your host for Life, Health, and Healing. Today we're going to do part two of allergies, where I go over some of the symptoms associated with it and what I consider to be the best treatment in the world. You can follow us at www.colecenter.com or on Facebook. I have several sites that I post information. Cole Center for Healing, Cincinnati Hyperbarics, and Dr. Vitamins. All of those are on the website as well. And just to recap a little bit, allergic diseases like asthma and rhinitis and those kinds of things are reaching epidemic proportions. They think the key factors driving these trends are increased exposure to sensitizing allergens and reduced stimulation of the immune system during, quote, critical periods of development. Meaning, of course, we need to expose our kids to more dirt, grime, and uh, allergens in order to help build up their immunity and prevent allergies in the future. That article is entitled Epidemic of Allergy and Asthma, published in Nature in 1999. And now I'm going to give you the highlights right off the bat. Allergies can produce pretty much any symptom you can think of. They can affect pretty much any organ or tissue. So this is a huge area. And oftentimes, many people don't associate the symptoms they have with being caused by allergies. But here's one that looked at the association between food allergy and multiple sclerosis. And it emphasized the importance of food allergy in this and found that there was a common mechanism and that food allergies tended to induce MS relapses. That was published in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery, and Psychiatry in 2018. And it's called, Food Allergies Are Associated with Increased Disease Activity and Multiple Sclerosis. Probably most of you did not suspect that. Here's another one. Adolescents. How are they affected emotionally? Well, they found that adolescents with hay fever had higher rates of anxiety, depression, a lower resistance to stress, and exhibited more hostility, impulsivity, and changed their minds a lot. (laughs) Not sure about that last one, but this goes to show that there is some widespread emotional effects. That one was called The Burden of Allergic Rhinitis and Allergic Rhinoconjunctivitis on Adolescents, a Literature Review, published in Annals of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, in 2018. Here's another one. It looked at what they call the three A's of allergy. Asthma, allergic rhinitis or hay fever, and atopic dermatitis or eczema, and looked at there and the link between mental health. And they found an increase of about 66% of emotional and psychiatric conditions in people with one or more of those three A's, asthma, hay fever, or eczema. That was called Increased Risk of Psychiatric Disorders and Allergic Diseases, a nationwide population-based cohort study published in Psychiatry 2018. Here's another one that I bet most people did not have a clue about. This looked at a number of studies, so it was a literature review, and found that four out of the five studies reported a positive correlation between endometriosis and allergies. So in other words, women with endometriosis 
have a very good chance that allergies are part of the problem that is actually causing that. Title of that article, Endometriosis and Type 1 Allergies, Immediate Type Hypersensitivity, a Systematic Review. And that was published in the European Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology and Reproductive Biology. Here's one that I've told people for years. I mean, this was in the literature when I was in medical school. And here's what they say. The data suggests it may be wiser to screen every child with otitis media with effusion for allergic rhinitis and ultimately to manage those with allergic inflammation differently to non-atopic individuals. Meaning just throwing antibiotics at ear infections, as most pediatricians are wont to do, is a really bad idea particularly if that child has repeated ear infections. I can almost guarantee you that the real cause of this is allergy. Treat the allergies, get out of the antibiotic cycle, and get rid of these ear infections. Title of that article is The Links Between Allergy and Otitis Media with Effusion. It was published in Current Opinion in Otolaryngology and Head and Neck Surgery in 2006, so we're 14 years beyond that. And I knew it even before then. I was taught that. So why pediatricians continue to throw antibiotics, I do not know. Now here's one that will interest a large number of people. And I'm going to give you the conclusion because that's pretty much going to say it all. Children with ADHD had an increased prevalence of allergic diseases. Evaluation of allergy and ADHD is mandatory to decrease the burden of the condition. Mandatory for any kids with ADD, ADHD to look at allergies because allergies is actually oftentimes the cause of those symptoms. It is not a stimulant deficiency. (laughs) Amphetamines is not the answer. This is not what is causing the problem. Most of the time, or a big portion of the time, it's allergies. Fix the allergies, get rid of the ADD. The title of that is Impact of Allergy on Children with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, published in European Annals of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in 2018. Now, I've known this for a long time, and this is one of the first things I do with people who come in with any kind of complaints of ADD. So if you have that condition or know somebody who does, get some allergy treatment. And not just any allergy treatment, because I'm going to tell you the best one and why it's the best. Here's another one. Some people might be familiar with this, but uh, here's the highlights. As the study says, the prevalence of both obesity and allergic disease has increased among children over the last several decades. And what they concluded was obesity might be a contributor to the increased prevalence of allergic diseases in children, particularly food allergy. That's an interesting one. Now, there might be another aspect to that in that the allergies are contributing to the obesity. So oftentimes, kids are eating foods because of allergies. They're driven this way and triggering some of the obesity issues that we're having. Title of that, Association of Obesity with IgE Levels and Allergy Symptoms in Children and Adolescents. Results from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, 2005-2006, 
That was published in Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in 2009. Now, I'm going to give you a little background before we get to the actual treatment. So I'm going to read through a little bit of what this study says. And as we know, immune system regulates itself to establish an immune response appropriately to deal with harmful pathogens and to help deal with harmless environmental antigens and also self-antigens. A central role in that process is played by regulatory T-cells. It's a type of white blood cell. So T-cells have the capacity to modulate pro-inflammatory cytokines and white blood cells. And as they say, abnormal regulatory T-cell function has been indicated as the main cause of development of allergic diseases. That was published in Immunological Mechanisms in Allergic Diseases and Allergic Tolerance, the Role of Treg Cells. And that was published in the Journal of Immunology Research 2018. Well, we've actually, well, we, meaning people who use this therapy, have known this for quite a long time, actually since the 1960s. And the therapy we use is called LDA, stands for Low-Dose Allergy Therapy. It's a safe, proven, and cost-effective method. We use what is called beta-glucuronidase, which is an enzyme. It's a natural substance produced by our bodies and part of the immune system. And this enzyme potentiates the effect of the allergens. And we are able to use extremely small concentration of those allergens. It's extremely safe. There's never been any major side effects recorded. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But it works unlike any other allergy therapy. LDA actually reprograms the immune system by its effect on these T cells. Initial treatments usually produce a short-term decrease in allergies. But the therapy is accumulative, and after a number of shots, the effects last much longer. So the rules on this are... You can get repeat treatments in two months or when symptoms return, whichever is longer. Most people will need typically somewhere between 15 to 20 shots, but that might be spread out over several years. And I use the term shots because that was originally how this therapy was administered. Now we administer it a much more pleasant way. They're just drops under the tongue. And unlike most other allergy therapies, LDA covers nearly all types of allergies, not just the inhalants, meaning the dust and molds and stuff. LDA treats foods and chemicals and other allergies. And it's also effective in autoimmune disorders. As I say, its really major effect is to just normalize immune function, just get it back to where it should be. We've been able to apply LDA successfully in the treatment of more than 60 indications. These include hay fever, dust mite allergy, perennial rhinitis, asthma, hives, eczema, and dermatitis of just about all forms, angioedema or swelling of the face and lips, food allergies or intolerances, adverse reactions to chemicals, multiple chemical sensitivity or MCS as it's known, as I just mentioned before, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, autism, Tourette syndrome, irritable bowel disorders or IBS, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, 
migraines and other headaches, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, systemic lupus, and these are just a few. It's also been employed for conditions not usually assumed to be due to any type of allergy or autoimmune disease. So typically conventional therapy uses what they call an escalating dose, meaning they start low and then they increase it over time, which is totally different than LDA. LDA is typically a very, very low dose. So with general conventional therapy, they start one to a thousand concentration and they may go up to as high as a one to 10, meaning that's pretty concentrated. And this is what most allergies use. And these allergists are using it primarily to treat hay fever, cat and dust mite allergy, those kinds of things. Things are mostly IgE mediated. And it works by causing what's called a blocking antibody. And this is specifically what's called an IgG antibody, which you might remember some of these terms from our prior podcast. So if you're confused a little bit, just evaluate back there. (laughs) Go back and listen to it. But this kind of inhibits the histamine-releasing ability of the mast cell. But the higher the level of blocking antibody that can be produced, the more successful the treatment. But in order to produce adequate levels of blocking antibody, you've got to require that this high-dose allergen therapy be administered, and it has to be administered on a regular basis at high doses. This often results in a lot of side effects, lots of intolerable swelling, and actually even massive swelling and anaphylaxis, and a number of people have died from this therapy. And again, only inhalants are treated. They don't treat foods, they don't treat chemicals. So automatically, they're missing at least two-thirds of the things that people might be allergic to. So when you get to these high doses of antigen required to produce that effect, you increase the risk of death from anaphylaxis. However, LDA is a cell-mediated, again, Treg cells, and uses extremely low doses. Uh, this can be in a million times less than the standard treatment that I just talked about that most allergists are using. There's never been an over about a half million doses of LDA given worldwide any type of life-threatening reactions. Never been reported. So that's a huge one. LDA is extremely safe. In addition, conventional escalating dose therapy, you got to usually give it twice weekly, uh, twice weekly, sorry, to start with for four to six months. Then you might be able to start stretching it out. But like I mentioned with LDA, the most you can get is every two months, never more frequently, and it starts stretching out. And typically, conventional therapy can't be stopped or you start getting return of symptoms anywhere within 3 to 12 months after you stop that therapy. Whereas with LDA, once you typically reach the point at which the immune system is normalized, it stays normalized. You don't have to continue with therapy. Now, LDA is derived from an earlier technique called EPD, or Enzyme Potentiated Desensitization. They are essentially the same in that they use beta-glucuronidase, so they're both using the same enzyme. EPD was developed by Dr. Leonard McEwen in the 1960s. He's an allergist in the UK. 
It was then brought over to the U.S. And from 1993 through 2001, over 100 physicians participated in a study and got data from approximately 10,500 patients. I was part of that study. I was one of the physicians who gathered data and applied it for the publication of this study. And we got excellent results with it. And over the years, this has been proven to be an effective therapy. I'll give you some you know, data later here in terms of publications. But uh, for patients who have to continue LDA after 16 to 18 treatments, they will continue typically getting shots at an interval of about six months to a year. So again, it's not very common. But over time, typically most people simply don't need to continue it. And additionally, the response to the LDA takes place very quickly. Usually within 15 to 20 minutes, you're feeling a response from your treatment, even with the first one. About 60% of patients note a very significant positive response with the first treatment, and most of all patients respond by the third treatment. About 1 in 25 don't respond with strongly positive results until they have reached about six treatments. But the overall response rate goes up to about 95%, and only about 9% of people in the studies got no improvement. Now, since that study was published, we've learned a few other things, and I think that number has actually improved, at least in my practice. I can't remember anybody who hasn't improved with the therapy, and I've been doing it for, let's see, close to 25 years here. So LDA relies on what we call a universal reacting in terms of the antigens. This is a what's called a cross-reactive pattern. So we don't have to know every single thing that you're allergic to. Rather, let's take trees, for example. What we have to do is put a certain mixture of trees into the serum. That will cross-react to cover all trees. And it's the same way with the other allergens, such as inhalants, meaning pollens, animal dander, dust mites, and so on. Also cover yeasts and molds covers food and food additives, chemicals, scents, formaldehydes, detergents, pesticides, herbicides, and so on. There's also a special formula for woodworkers if they're reacting to the woods that they have to deal with. There are some other mixtures that are specific that act through what we call molecular mimicry, and these are used to treat several autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and so on. So, LDA, again, in my opinion, is the best allergy therapy in the world. It has tremendous advantages. It has distinct advantages in terms of it treats a wide variety of allergies, much, much, much more so than any other therapy out there. It treats a much wider range of conditions, and it's dramatically effective, amongst other things, for eczema. So when you look at standard dermatology treatment with steroids, which over time, you know, really damage the skin, there's no question which is preferable. Also, it works, again, extremely well for angioedema, meaning facial swelling and that. 
And at this point, from the medical side, there's no safe and effective immunotherapy for this condition, of course, other than LDA. The best that conventional therapy can do is just use drugs or avoidance, and you can't always avoid everything. Likewise, with immediate food allergy or anaphylaxis, there's really very few effective treatments out there, and I would say none to treat the wide variety of food reactions that can occur, yet LDA has been used to treat these with excellent results. Again, even treating people with anaphylactic reactions, we have had no anaphylactic reactions in response to the treatment. This includes peanut and shrimp and shellfish allergies. So there is effective ways of dealing with this so that you're not in danger of dying every time you go to a restaurant. So again, I'm gonna repeat this, LDA, as far as I'm concerned, the best allergy therapy in the world, works fantastically well, easy to do, non-invasive, just drops under the tongue, don't have to do it every day. Again, the most you can do is once every two months. So here's a couple of articles for you just to kind of give you an idea of some of the research on it. So here's one, control of enzyme potentiated hyposensitization three, controlled by sugars and diols, an immunological effect of beta-glucuronidase in mice and patients with hay fever. That was Annals of Allergy, 1973. Here's another one. Five case, enzyme potentiated hypersensitization, five. Five case reports of patients with acute food allergy, Annals of Allergy, 1975. Here's another one. Double-blind controlled trial of enzyme potentiated hypersensitization for the treatment of ulcerative colitis, published in Clinical Ec Ecology, 1987. Here's one, single-dose desensitization for summer hay fever, European Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, 1990. So here's one, controlled trial of hyposensitization in children with food-induced hyperkinetic syndrome, published in Lancet, 1992. So there's, and I've, there's a lot more. There's, I've got a total of 27 different published research articles on LDA and EPD. So it's not new, it's been well-researched, it's been used half a million times or more, actually a lot more than this since all this stuff was written. Now here's a couple other things you can do. Uh, if you want to particularly try to prevent allergies in your children, they found that fish oils, when used in the third trimester of pregnancy, reduce the absolute risk of persistent wheeze or asthma and infections of lower tract, or meaning lung infections in children, their offspring. That one is called fish oil-derived fatty acids in pregnancy and wheeze and asthma in offspring, published in New England Journal of Medicine 2016. And another one, if, again, you're pregnant, feeding with breast milk and or hypoallergenic formula combined with avoidance of solid foods until the age of six months appears to reduce the cumulative effect and prevalence of atopic dermatitis during the first 18 months of life. So once your child's born, feeding them appropriately is important. <laughs> I think we probably all knew that, but there's some solid evidence. That one is called Effect of an Allergy Prevention Program on Incidence of Atopic Symptoms in Infancy a prospective study of 159 high-risk infants. That was published 
in allergy in 1992. So there you have it. Between these two podcasts, I hope I've covered everything you need to know about allergies. Hopefully you don't suffer from them, but I have to tell you from a personal side, I had to find good allergy therapies because Myself and my whole family were just riddled with allergies. They were horrible. (laughs) When I was a kid, I would miss 20 to 30 days of school every year because of allergies. And that was no fun. So it's been a personal goal of mine as well. And as an outcome, of course, my patients are able to benefit from that as well. Thanks much for listening and have a safe and fun time out there. Bye-bye.